This podcast is produced by EnergeticCity.ca, your only local and independent news in Northeast BC. To support local news and this podcast, go to EnergeticCity.ca slash join to find out more. Now, an in-depth look at the news and information shaping our community. This is Moose Talks with your host, Doug Craig on Moose FM. Welcome to the show. A little later on, we're going to be sitting down with Len Potvan, the vice president of the Northeast BC Predators female rep hockey, to chat about the season that was and look ahead to next year a little bit if we can. But first, it's been a while, so it's time to have a check-in and check-up with all things Northern Health with Northeast Health Service Delivery Area COO Angela DeSmith, who joins us in studio. Angela, welcome back to Moose Talks. Thanks, Doug, for having me. You're very welcome. So I want to start with the OPS Site Advisory Committee, which uh, the news came out about that uh, week, week and a half ago or something. Very interesting idea to have this committee together with the Chamber of Commerce here in Fort St. John to sort of, I, I suppose, address and hear concerns of of people nearby to where the OPS site is is going to be. Can you tell us a bit about the creation of this committee and kind of where it came out of? Yeah, um, so similar to other um, community advisory committees that were started with the um, uh, Salvation Army, with the New Hope, um, uh, Good Hope Building, and um, previously with the Warming um, Center, um, have found that these are um, great opportunities in terms of getting, you know, particularly the affected stakeholders in the area and in the neighborhood and how we can all be good neighbors to each other and have an Mm -hmm. opportunity or a forum to um, raise concerns or questions and share information and address um, those concerns and uh, just bringing everybody together to have those conversations. Mm -hmm. Was this something that was going to happen regardless of kind of, you know, where the OPS site was going to end up being? Or do you think it came out of sort of it's it's close-ish to a school and and kind of in the area where it happens to be? And that has come up in sort of we see in online conversations. Was this a response to that? Or is this sort of the plan all along to have this committee to address concerns like that? Yeah, we were we were planning on having a committee all along. It's just been the timing in terms of um, we know that the renovations aren't going to be starting until probably towards the end of April, more so into May and June, mm-hmm. and won't be completed until kind of early winter, um, depending on the timeline. And so it was about when, what is the best timing? And we were getting um, lots of communication and people reaching out to us. Uh, we held a couple open houses and um, based on that felt that it was um, better to start um, the um, community group up earlier than later. And when Kathleen Connolly reached out to me from the um, Fort St. John uh, Chamber of Commerce, it was just a, a great opportunity to partner with them on this and um, start it um, and looking to have a meeting here, the first meeting towards the end of April and getting it kicked off and moving it forward. Mm-hmm. Was that surprising to you that the chamber reached out or or was that mm-hmm. like kind of an, like, a well, they want to be good neighbors, we can work together on kind of how this will all kind of work out? 
Yeah, to some degree. I mean, the chamber is part of the other um, community um, groups that are out there. Yeah. Um, but I think because of the concern that has been raised by their members as well, um, it was um, very beneficial when Kathleen made um, the move and, and approached me and we were able to have a conversation and and came about with this approach. So it was very positive, yes. Mm-hmm. I want to take a moment, if we could, um, to talk about what the what will be at this OPS site in general because of course mm. there's rumors there's stigma for people who use it and kind of how you, it will be in the neighborhood and kind of what the neighborhood will look like tell us a bit about what this service will be and what this place will be and and how it will help the community and the people who need it for sure. Um, I think one of the misconceptions is that there's a, a sense that it'll be a standalone OPS or an overdose prevention site. Yeah. Um, and this, we're actually establishing another community health center, just like we have with the health unit, the medical clinic, the hospital, all of our community, um, our um, health facilities. And so it will have um, safe um, consumption mm-hmm. facilities, but there will be um, a large amount of staff that will wrap around services in terms of um, supporting individuals um, in terms of um, looking for um, rehab, um, uh, recovery, how to support them, um, social services in terms of um, housing and finances, um, harm reduction will be available, and um, we're looking to actually bring our entire team into the building and um, and be able to provide that support. There will continue to be outreach mm-hmm. um, in the community, which has been very successful. Our team have been um, very good at connecting with individuals where they are as compared to expecting them to travel to a site um, and um, so it, it you know it'll have our um, our um, um, adult uh, day away program in terms of the um, treatment and um, coming and getting some counseling and they can come for um, nursing care as well so if they need um, vaccinations if they need wound care if they need other services so it'll be a comprehensive facility Um, and the other big factor is we're bringing in um, we'll have lots of our peers there as well Mm -hmm. so they'll be able to support them both before after as well as um, through the course and the journey of their um, of their health care I see did any of the concerns that um, you've been hearing and 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 whatnot whether it's from businesses community members um, the the there was a meeting at the school recently where some concerns came. Any of that surprise you, given where this is? Was that surprising to you to hear some of those concerns? Or again, was this sort of a we're, we're going to hear this and we're we're going to have to work together to sort of address them and sort of allay those fears that maybe people have? Yeah, no, they didn't. Um, we've heard this in other communities. Um, you know, I was um, last year was in Dawson Creek, had a town hall meeting, similar concerns that were raised there as well. Um, and um, and so, it, you know, there, there 
may not be any best place in order to situate this, but mm-hmm. at the same time, the key things we were looking at is location and accessibility. This is a very vulnerable population, and as you mentioned, lots of stigma around it, so we wanted street front where they can walk in, um, where there's not other services in terms of um, being a barrier for them to access that service. Yeah. Um, and, um, and yes, there has been concerns Interestingly enough, with our mobile service, mm-hmm. one of the sites, which is on the First Nations Health Authority parking lot, is adjacent to a daycare. And th- those daycare uh, individuals have been very supportive of us being in that um, location as well as for the new location. And, um, you know, if they have any questions, they do a call to our office, our office responds to them, or we go over all of those types of things. And so, um, we are actually seeing more community support. People um, now approaching us and saying, I would love to support this because that we are still having deaths. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the last couple of weeks, we've had a very toxic drug in our community and have, an, have had an increase um, number of um, um, overdoses that have been very serious. And so this is a very needed service in order to um, protect our community. Okay. And I think you said earlier already, um, opening maybe even May, June, I suppose. Hey, uh, no, uh, that's when the renovations oh, will gotcha. start. Okay. We're, we're hoping to st- um, open it um, sometime at the tail end of October or November, okay. largely because the winter season is so difficult. Um, as you can see, um, for those who know where the mobile sites are, for the inhalation, which is approximately about t- uh, 90% of now how um, uh, substance are consumed is done through inhalation so we have a tent we have like an ice fishing tent Mm -hmm. Um, not very conducive when it's 20 below and then our workers can't be out as active as um, because it's all outdoors and it's difficult for individuals as well to be asking them to have health services out in the outdoors and um, so just working in terms of how better to serve them for sure okay Excellent. Well, I want to move on to a kind of an evergreen um, challenge that Northern Health faces, kind of retention and recruitment. Mm -hmm. We hear about this a lot. Uh, Just in general, I wonder if you could tell us, you know, how how that's going, because we keep hearing about whether it's Northern Health or the government of BC Ministry of Health introducing incentives to help retain and, and, and recruit people to healthcare in BC and Northeast BC. How how's that been uh, lately, I suppose, is the question. Yeah, so we've been fortunate um, to be recognized as a difficult to recruit to um, area as well as retention. And so um, we've had the benefit of some additional Ministry of Health funding um, that um, for a retention um, bonus um, quarterly to staff who are in permanent positions, whether they're full-time or part-time, in terms of uh, an incentive. Also, the most, uh, the recent collective agreements and the Um, Nurses Bargaining Association, they're just in the process of ratifying, and we're hoping that they will ratify that um, collective agreement. Um, It will make nurses in BC the highest paid across Canada, and there are a number of incentives in there, including um, retention um, targeted as well as um, recruiting. Um, And that'll be, but that we recognize that that's just one strategy. Mm -hmm. It's not going to bring us all the healthcare staff um, that we require, but 
but it is one of those um, conduits. In Fort St. John, we have a very exciting um, collaborative um, with the YMCA, and um, we're funding them through the um, daycare at the Robert Ogilvie School for extended hours. So mm-hmm. we surveyed our staff, and so now we have a 6.30 to 7.30 at night. So if you're a shift worker, um, and it's not limited to nursing, it can be physicians, it can be housekeepers, um, because that is what we're hearing. Mm-hmm. Um, there has been mixed kind of um, feedback that we've received from staff about overnight daycare in terms of leaving their children with, you know, in a facility. But that is our next step in terms of what does that look like for 24-7. We're also working on some housing options. We know that that's a challenge when individuals first come to Fort St. John, where do they stay versus having a place where they can land for the first two or three months. The city is also um, looking at some options um, with that. And so I've been in um, contact with the mayor um, in terms of their ideas. So it's those types of things in terms of, and, you know, um, you know, the Facebook posts that we're getting, you know, thanking staff and, you know, welcoming people to our community. We don't realize the value and the impact that that has on our staff in terms of continuing to, um, you know, uh, work here and want to work here and all of those types of things. And then coupled with that is the large um, provincial um, health and human resource strategy that Northern Health um, has. Um, and Northern Health's been recognized for a couple of key initiatives that are now being picked up provincially, you know, one of them being the travel resource pool, mm-hmm. where there are own staff and not agency staff. So they're familiar with our communities and our policies and those types of things. So um, looking to expand that uh, more. So yeah, lots of uh, lots of things to um, look at how do we re- recruit, but more so how do we retain and bring staff back into the healthcare system? Um, because we did lose a fair amount of them through the COVID mm-hmm. um, pandemic. I suppose um, the expectation is that'll be easier now, given a that you can rehire some staff who maybe you know had to leave because of the mandatory uh, vaccinations. But also, I mean, we cu- we're coming out of an extremely challenging time. Coming out of it, it's getting better. Is the expectation now that maybe it'll be easier that you know the, the heat's off a little bit because we're uh, kind of as I said moving out of the pandemic? Um, yes, I, I do need to correct you, though. Yeah. Um, the, it hasn't changed in BC. So all healthcare workers still require full okay. v- full vaccination mm-hmm. or immunization mm-hmm. um, from COVID. Um, so that the um, uh, public health officer, um, Dr. Bonnie Henry, has not changed that, but has lifted the restrictions. And you could see you know you could feel the the difference um just going through the hospital and yeah. um peace villa on thursday afternoon with the lifting of restrictions not having to wear masks you know um and then the visitations not having to screen visitors and yeah. saying well you can't visit cuz you're not vaccinated um and those in, uh, difficult public interactions so um i believe yes that that has been that will be very positive in terms of continuing to bring people back into the workforce for sure okay and we have about a minute left and i want to make sure i ask you about this there's this new program we got word of um, that's going to help attach new moms birthing moms to doctors which can be Mm. difficult you have a baby okay i need to find a doctor for this baby because we have follow-up appointments of course right away 
Um, can you tell us a bit about that program and, and, and kind of how that's going to look and, and work if you can? Yeah, I think it's it maybe just have been heard recently. Yeah. So the Division of Family Practice here in and the North Peace one has been very proactive in terms of working with physicians and um and so there is a roster of physicians who are um interested in taking on new mums and babes. And fortunately mm-hmm. there is a number that are prepared to do that. Um and um we also now have a nurse practitioner who um ha- has her name on the roster. And so it goes through the roster because as you said, Doug, it's extremely important um, with a new mom and babe to be able to have those regular checkups and to to get a family physician. And you probably have seen in the news, we've had some new physicians coming into the community and and one of them in particular um, is attaching some some new patients. We know that there's still a significant amount of unattached patients out there and we're continuing to recruit um, into those positions to provide better um, primary care and medical services to our community for sure and working with the, the private physicians to do that. All right. Well, Angela, I really appreciate you taking a few minutes to chat with us today. Thank you so much for coming and uh, saying hello to us. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. That's Angela DeSmith with Northern Health. We'll be right back to talk to Len Potvin with the Northeast BC Predators Female Rep Hockey right after this on Moose Talks. Welcome back to the show. I'm Dub Craig. Now we're going to talk a bit about female rep hockey. There's a team in this town, or a collection of teams, I should say, called the Predators. We love talking about them as much as we can, and we're so grateful to have Len Potvin, the vice president of the Northeast BC Predators Female Rep Hockey, joining us today on the show. Len, welcome to Moose Talks. Thank you very much. Thanks so much for being here today. Uh, For people who are maybe hearing about the Predators for the first time, can you tell us a bit about uh, the organization? Because you've got, uh, there's, I think, three teams kind of in the organization, correct? Yeah, we have three teams. We have a U13 team, U15, and a U18 team, Mm -hmm. Uh, kind of a a district uh, type of organization that runs from Fort Nelson all the way down to Dawson Creek to the Alberta border. Mm-hmm. And then as far south as McKenzie, and we have a collection of players from, from all over those areas. Wow. Yeah. So players will come from or will join the team from Fort Nelson, McKenzie, as you say, to, to be yep. able to play other teams in the province, eh? Yeah, that's right. Uh, the bulk of our players are from Fort St. John. I would yeah. say probably 80% on all our teams. Uh, not not exactly that, but uh, depending on where we travel, if we go south, we might pick up our McKenzie players, or if we're going across the border, you know, maybe we get some Dawson Creek APs or Chetwin or, yeah. or, or something like that. So it's a real collection of players that, that we get from all the towns. Okay, so it's it's not necessarily that all the players are on the team playing at all the time, I guess, eh? because because of the great travel that's required just to play? That's it, the, the travel, and we can't expect like our McKenzie players to make practices or anything like that. <laughs> yeah. So they, they, they play on integrated teams. Uh, they practice with those teams, and then if they're not playing uh, uh, games with those teams during that weekend or whatever, and we need players, then uh, we'll we'll pick them up. It's uh, it's pretty interesting hockey. Usually, um, when we go to tournaments somewhere, the team is 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 different uh, any given weekend. So mm-hmm. it's uh, yeah. So there's some pretty good friendships, and and uh, yeah, it's it's fun. So these players, um, I'm really interested in the the ones who you know join the team from other places. You said they play on integrated teams kind of in their hometowns. What, 
what's kind of the the reason that they're so willing to i i want to be a part of the predators i want to travel with this team and play with other you know girls and women rather than with on a team that i assume will be most of the time vast majority is with guys right or or, or other boys right yeah i i i think it's uh... Other towns and associations are starting to see the success of the Predators. Yeah, uh, We've kind of been running the Predators for, I think, probably seven to eight years now. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, having, uh, we're starting to win tournaments, uh, win banners, uh, win league championships. Uh, we just had all three of our teams went to the Provincials. Um, our U13 team, which is just a dynamic uh, group of girls uh, run by Cole Lewis and his coaching staff, and uh, they made it to the gold medal game. They lost out in the gold medal game, but they come back with silver. Uh, Craig Brownlee's running the U15 group. Uh, they really surprised everybody and fared very well this year. They played for bronze in the provincials. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they lost out, but uh, actually uh, to make it to the gold medal game, they were in playing in a overtime game and lost out in the overtime game wow. and ended up being kind of relegated down to the bronze. So mm-hmm. that was an awesome result. Uh, our U18 team, which I co- coach along with Jeremy Brown, uh, we played uh, excellent. We were winning every game that we were in. We come out with two losses, a tie, and a win. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the, everybody's starting to notice us, and, and uh, you're starting to see uh, players from other towns and and that wanting to uh, – they're, they're phoning us, wanting to come and play with the Predators now. So mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's, it's getting pretty successful. Did the Predators, going back to kind of when the Predators started then um, – and I don't know if you know this, was where were girls able to play hockey in this town before then? Was it, again, these sort of integrated teams they play with the boys? Or? There, was, uh, there was female teams uh, in, in, in most of the associations. Some of the smaller associations or other towns yeah. uh, had integrated teams. Uh, and, and, you know, not all the girls, but some of the girls, I do believe, kind of got away from hockey. There's kind of a, an, an age difference there where where they you know it just doesn't work anymore yeah and if if they could have had uh, an option to play 100 percent female hockey i know that's the way it worked with my daughter she she really excelled once she moved into a, a full-time female hockey yeah. hockey team so i know in fort st john we do have uh, female hockey uh, and the predators was a way to to still play fairly local uh, and and have you know kind of make that one step further yeah. to playing more of a competitive keep, keep them style playing through yeah. their teen years i suppose that's that that's one, right yeah. yeah and we we travel quite a bit we 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 go to calgary we go to richmond uh it's there's there's some travel involved so it's it's quite a commitment so not everybody wants to do that but uh, there's a is is a group of of parents and players that do so that's mm-hmm. what the predators offer what's uh kind of the option for you, you know you have someone who plays maybe all the way from the, you know the u13 to u18 What's kind of their next step after that if they want to keep playing hockey? Are there well, options for them then? And, and this is something that we always want them to do. I mean, uh, we moved here eight years ago and uh, didn't know anybody and, and getting involved in hockey. I mean, that that was a way to meet people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those those players, we, we just want them to keep involved in hockey. We do have some uh, – we have uh, our, our goalie, Bailey Green, this year. Uh, she's done with the Predators. She's kind of aged out. She wants to stay involved, so she's gonna she's gonna help us coach, which mm-hmm. is great. We'd we'd love it if we had all female coaches and 
and, and that that's what we eventually want to get to. So Bailey's going to do that, and I'm sure she'll be playing for a, a women's team here in town. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we have some players that uh, don't actually make it to the end of Predators and end up going and 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 playing on AAA teams or college teams or oh, yeah. NCAA teams. We have uh, quite a list of successful players. Uh, one 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 girl, uh, Michaela Lowen. Uh, she played right to the very end of the Predators, and, and she didn't want to be done playing uh, hockey, so she got on the phone and started phoning uh, coaches in the States. Uh, she went and played one year in Michigan, and now she's playing in Calgary uh, with Sate. Uh, so there's wow. options out there for the yep. girls. Um, they, that was a really successful story. She was our captain. She played uh, during the COVID year, so she, got, she didn't get to play any games. Yeah. Uh, she aged out. Uh, but then she just got on the phone and started making phone calls. There's always a place for for the girls to to play. So, yeah, very cool. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, uh, the season's done now, yeah. kind of for now until I guess September or whatnot. Uh, I guess what's next is sort of like a training camp or a kind of recruitment drive for some of these teams, eh? Yes. Yeah, so we have an ID camp. Uh, it is the 29th and 30th at the North Peace Arena. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's on our website, which is www.predshockey.ca. You can get the information off of there. Uh, 29th and uh, 30th of this month? Like yes. Coming up? Okay, yeah, just a couple so, weeks. Yeah, so we we really want to see who's interested in moving uh, up into the Preds and starting to play for the Preds. And uh, so that'll give us a good idea rolling into next year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, in August, um, we'll, we'll have our, our fall camp and we'll pick our teams and uh, move on from there. So those are the two important dates. Nothing concrete as far as a date for uh, the end of, of August, but yeah. uh, something right around then. Come by. Okay, yeah. again, the website again, just repeat it just for uh, It's www.predshockey.ca, and we also have a Facebook page, which seems to be pretty informative if you want to get on there and, and do some more digging. Excellent. Well, Len, thank you so much for uh, stopping by and making some time for us today. We, I really appreciate it. No problem. I enjoyed it. Absolutely. That's uh, Len Potvin, the Vice President of the Northeast BC Predators Female Rep Hockey. Our thanks again to our guests, Angela DeSmith and Len Potvin, for joining us this morning. You make sure to check out EnergeticCity.ca podcast page for previous episodes of Moose Talks, along with other excellent locally produced podcasts. Again, it's at energeticcity.ca slash podcast. You can also hear episodes of these podcasts every Sunday at 5 p.m. during the Energetic City, uh, during energeticcity.ca presents right here on Moose FM. Well, that's the show for today. Jordan Prentice and Trey Lopashinsky are the producers of Moose Talks. I'm Dub Craig. Be well. Thanks for listening to this energeticcity.ca podcast. Energeticcity.ca is your only local and independent news in Northeast BC. To help keep us independent and to support this podcast, go to energeticcity.ca slash join.